0: And welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg. And on today's episode, we discuss an issue that's often ignored and frankly, an issue that's hard to talk about. It's the practice of female genital mutilation or what is referred to as FGM. Fortunately, we have a wonderful guest on today to walk us through the issue. Representative Mary Franson joins us to give us more insight into the practice, how often it takes place in America, and what can be done to protect girls. A little bit about Representative Franson: She is a state representative from Minnesota and earlier this year introduced legislation in her state that doesn't just hold doctors accountable, but parents guilty of a felony if they force their daughters to undergo this practice, Representative Franson, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you. It's a, it's an honor and a privilege to be on here as well uh, to talk about this very important human rights issue that um, the UN. Has even called on the international community to ramp up efforts to end this practice. Uh, So I'm excited to be able to educate those listening to this podcast about what exactly is female genital mutilation and why we as a society need to get involved and help little girls who are in danger.
0: And before, before we jump into the conversation, I do want everyone listening to the podcast know that the Independent Women's Forum does have a petition on the website, so iwf.org. And what this peti- petition is, is saying that the Violence Against Women Act, it's been reauthorized several times, but it does not recognize FGM as a form of violence against women. So if you, liked both um, Representative Franson and others fighting for this, if you agree that FGM and and banning that needs to be added, do go to IWF.org to sign the petition to show that we should demand a stronger violence against women act. So just wanted to let everybody know, but jumping into the conversation, something that's really stood out to me, um, representative Franson is that you've been a fierce advocate for girls in this area. It's a hard area to discuss. It's one that's not in the news very often. Let's first get into just some of the information on the practice itself.
1: Well, sure. I'm just going to back up a little bit and explain why I got involved in um, this topic that not a lot of people are aware of. Um, So this, uh, my movement to uh, protect the girls from being mutilated and hold their parents accountable actually started back in 2017. I have a friend that was asking me to do something more on this issue and to make it illegal. And Eventually, I looked into the Minnesota statute and uh, let him know that we have a statute on file. It's state statute 609.2245, which makes it a crime to perform the procedure. So let's say uh, it's a doctor, right? We all think, well, if somebody's going to perform it, it's a doctor that's doing it, and that would be a felony for them. And it's a um, So it's a crime for them to practice it. So I said, you know what? We don't have to do anything. I'm thinking to myself, no doctor is going to do this, and it is already illegal. Well, it was not very long after my response to him that uh, what hit the news was two young girls, uh, seven-year-olds, that were taken out of the state, out of the state of Minnesota, to Michigan, they were coerced by their moms, um, being told that they were going on a special girls trip. And when I heard that, I was like, what is going on? Because never in my wildest dreams did I ever think parents would subject their children to this practice, but also find a person willing to break the law and hand their child over to someone for the sole purpose of her ever harming this individual um, and their children. So um, female genital mutilation is, um, it is a human rights issue around the world. It is a woman's health issue. It is also gender violence. And it's certainly should not be downplayed at all. I've heard excuses, well, this only happens once and then the children is no longer um, in danger of anything. I think that's kind of a ridiculous argument, but it is broken down into four different types. Is it okay if we discuss what those types are? It is
0: quite Yes. Drastic. Yeah, let's go into it.
1: Okay. So warning, It is. it's a little hard to hear, but there's four types and the type one is often referred to as clitoridectomy, and that is the partial or total removal of the clitoris. And um, in some cases, uh, the fold of the skin surrounding the clitoris is removed as well. And then there's a uh, type two, which is often referred to, and I always have a hard time pronouncing this, but excision, uh, which is the partial or total removal of the clitoris and the labia minora. Um, And that uh, type three is also referred to then as infibulation. That is the narrowing of the vaginal opening through the creation of a covering seal. So kind of like stitches. Um, And the seal is formed by cutting and repositioning the labia minora. uh, And like I said, through stitching with or without removal of the clitoris. And then in order to allow for intercourse, or childbirth, the woman needs to have this undone, which the process is called de-infibulation. And that would be cutting that sealed vaginal opening. And many times this process repeats itself. So the child, the the woman would have childbirth and then she'd be sewn back up again. It's extremely painful, um, creates all kinds of health complications. And then there's the type four, which also includes other harmful procedures to the female genitalia for non medical purposes, and that's pricking and piercing, scraping, or cauterizing the genital area. And, you know, this is all very harmful things we're talking about because you can die from this. Death is the most serious and most common type uh, of um, health issue with the type 3 there is severe pain, there's extreme sensitive nerve endings that are cut, and infection. And if you are lucky to survive this horrible practice, um, you are left with lifelong health complications such as bladder dysfunction, urinary tract infections, infertility. You know, I had a there was a, um, at the Minnesota Capitol back in 2018, we held a, an end FGM rally where a, a lovely lady spoke for the very first time she was from, I believe she's from Virginia and I'll never forget her story. That was the first time she publicly came out to tell Minnesotans about what FGM did to her. And she wept. She will never, ever be able to bear children and sex with her husband is near impossible. And she just wept because she wants to be able to connect with her husband on that intimate level. And she is unable to do that based on what happened to her in her early childhood years. Uh, and then there's also difficulty with minor gynecological procedures such as a pap smear, chronic infections, yeast infections, sexual dysfunction, and then the psychological disorders, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, depression. Uh, And um, this other lovely lady, when I spoke at the UN back in March with an organization called MALA, this college... uh, individual this young student uh went through it when she was younger and uh, due to the trauma that she had experienced she wants to be able to talk to somebody about that trauma and work through that um that post traumatic stress and the anxiety that comes along with what has happened to her but she said there's no platforms nowhere for her to talk to because here in America we just do not understand this entire practice, or how to help those who have suffered. So it is just one of these just horrible human rights issues that we need to put an end to. Uh,
0: and so and, that's and where I could we jump, are today. Yeah, I wanted you and I'm thank, thank you for explaining it more thoroughly, because I think you just said on the point is, in the United States, we often don't know about it, or if we do know about it, we think it doesn't happen here. It doesn't happen in America. Yet, as you were saying that this is a common practice, I'm curious about two things. First of all, how often, and I'm sure it's not reported quite often, but how often do we have girls in this country going through this? And second of all, you talked about those those two girls. It was their mothers who took them to have this done, is it usually women who've had this done to them when they were younger than taking their daughters? And if so, what is the reason behind it? Can you help us understand why this practice takes place?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. So it is, a, it is a, a rite of passage for uh, young girls. Um, and this, is a, these, this kind of um, answers is exactly what I've learned along the way on this. You kind of learn as you go, once you dig into something so deep as this. And so it's, it's a, the, the women, this is something that they do because their cultures, uh, believe that this is what the men want. It's for the men's enjoyment. It's meant to control the woman. So she uh, does not wander that she remains faithful to her husband and in some areas of the world, if, if this procedure, if, if this is not done, the girl, if she is, um, You know, uncut, as they say, she is a disgrace to society that no man will want her. Um, And she's considered a loose woman. Um, But here in the United States, according to a Newsweek article that dated February 26, 2015, the center or that they say that FGM is on the rise. And the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC, estimates that 513,000 women and girls in the United States were at risk or were victims of being mutilated. And this is a threefold increase from its 1990 estimates. And then um, we have a large population, immigrant population here in Minnesota. And uh, the concern is that uh, this is a bigger issue than what some are willing to um, take on. It's, it's deemed extremely controversial. Here in Minnesota, um, as of August 1st now, it is a fifth-degree sexual um, conduct to, a uh, criminal conduct to pat somebody on uh, the gluteus maximus or your buttocks uh, with clothes on, because that is now considered sexual assault, sexual harassment. But yet, we cannot seem to get the fortitude of, uh, of lawmakers to say, you know what, we are going to protect girls. We are going to hold parents accountable for this action if they, if they choose to harm their child.
0: And Carrie Lucas with the Independent Women's Forum has a great piece on this for anybody interested in reading that. It's called Where Are the Feminists on FGM? I mean, when you talk about this and standing up for women's rights and like you're saying, this is violence against a woman. We're so thankful that you're talking about it. And I want to talk a little bit about the legislation, where things are. But why don't we hear more women, especially women in leadership, talking about this issue?
1: That um, whole thing is very confusing to me because this is a no-brainer, absolute no-brainer. We should be protecting these girls from this horrible practice. You know, this is America. And if individuals are coming to America to flee from the oppression of the countries that they are escaping from, well, then they should be free from the oppression that female genital mutilation brings to these little girls. They should come to America and say, I don't have to worry about being cut. Unfortunately, that's not happening.
0: And so with the legislation, I know you introduced legislation in January. Where have things gone on Mm -hmm. that front? Where is Minnesota today when it comes to the legal repercussions that parents can face if they do choose to cut their daughter? So
1: this is where we come into some murky water, because uh, we've moved into more of a politically correct society where we don't want to offend any individuals. And unfortunately, this, um, when I brought the bill forward in 2017, I did have a Senate author. Now I serve in the House. It went through the entire committee process. It went to the House floor where it passed with only uh I think it was 124 votes in favor of holding parents accountable and treating it as child abuse and four four democrats voted against the bill because they thought it was just too harsh um and then uh, it it just went nowhere in the senate uh the senate uh, was controlled by republicans is still controlled by Republicans. They too thought my bill was too harsh. So then, in 2018, uh, the Senate author there was a Senate author for a totally different bill. It really did not um, do much of anything. My bill was very explicit in if this happens, there is termination of parental rights, and we are going to treat uh, this as um, a criminal act and protect those children or there could be other children in danger in that home. And we want to make sure all those kids are, are safe. Uh, it went through the committee and the bill author was called a racist and, uh, Islamophobic. And sadly that bill then just, it went nowhere. It, It passed the committee hearing, um, and then went nowhere. It never made it to the Senate floor and never got another vote. So then we fast forward to this year, 2019, I reintroduce the piece of legislation, same language as before, but Republicans are now in the minority. Uh, So the House Republicans, that is, uh, the Senate Republicans are still in the majority. Still to this day, I still do not have a Senate author for this. And in the House, um, it never, ever got a hearing. So what I did is offered an amendment on the House floor where it was ruled out of order due to what they claimed would be a fiscal cost to the state of Minnesota. So we discussed on the House floor that my bill did not have a fiscal cost. So the fiscal agency said, you know, they did not expect for any prosecution so therefore there really would be you know no cost to the state so we talked about that uh, but the democrats were like no nope, there's going to be a cost to the state we can't have uh, we can't have this bill and the debate was shut up and so at another uh, few weeks later I offered another um, chance for a vote to continue on that discussion to amend it to a bill and I dropped the felony to just a gross misdemeanor just to continue that conversation. And still that, and then and the amendment was voted down. It's, it's very frustrating because if we were talking about a culture that decided, you know what, we just don't think that people should be smelling. Um, and so you see this child walking around the grocery store with no nose on and you inquire, why is this child walking with no nose? and you find out well this is the practice you know people are going to be appalled and they're going to say you know that this is child abuse we cannot allow having kids having their noses cut off this is wrong and that's child abuse and you know the authorities would step in and remove that child for being physically harmed by their parents correct um but yet this specific body part, the female genital um, genital genital uh, genitalia is being totally treated differently. And in my opinion, it's because it's not seen. Therefore, it's not um, offensive to those around them because they can't see it. Uh, and therefore it doesn't exist.
0: And even you talking about how difficult it has been and how much effort you have put in to try to move forward some legislation on this. And by the way, there are only 26 states that currently ban FGM. So I know you're trying to get it banned in, in Minnesota. But I want to play a clip that I think kind of illustrates the fear that people have. I think people are fearful of appearing culturally insensitive on this issue. This clip is from Congresswoman representative Ilhan Omar. She was asked last week in Minnesota at, at an event about the issue of FGM. And I think her response is one of the reasons why people are hesitant to ask.
1: Your second question is an appalling question, because i i always feel like there are bills that we vote on um bills we sponsor um many statements we put out and then we're in um in a panel like this and the question is posed could you and rashida do this and it's like how often should I make a schedule like does this need to be on repeat every five minutes should I be like so today I forgot to condemn Al Qaeda Uh, so here's the Al
0: Qaeda one today I forgot to condemn FGM so here it goes. So Representative Franson, as, as we hear that clip, I, first of all, do you want to be clear that there is work that Congresswoman Omar has done on a, a federal level in relation to FGM. Um, but the reason I wanted to play that clip is I understand why people may be, be, may be fearful to delve into this because there seems to be a lot of pushback on it. What type of pushback have you received? I know it's been hard to get people to vote for this and to get this moving, but have you received a lot of pushback from individuals in Minnesota?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, I have, um, including my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. Um, my House Republican caucus fully stands uh, with me. They, they stand with protecting girls. They see that this this is gender violence. This is a human rights issue, and we need to make sure that we are standing up for all children in the state of Minnesota. And that they all are worthy of uh the dignity and respect. Um so some of the pushback that I have received, I haven't really heard anything from my, my DFL colleagues, but uh there are some, there are some, there's a Somalian group called Isa and that has been actively working against my legislation on um on the the behind the scenes, if you will. And recently, oh gosh, I guess it was probably in March, March, April-ish, a Fox News contacted me about this topic and then uh, contacted a group that was against my bill, which was the Isaroon group, where the uh, leader of that organization referred to me as a domestic terrorist for carrying this bill for moving it forward because Uh, apparently I am targeting a specific group of individuals, but, you know, nowhere in my bill does it say a specific group of individuals. It doesn't matter the, um, it does not matter about where you come from, but we need to send a message, uh, to the entire world, to the state of Minnesota, to our country, that all girls matter and they are all awarded the dignity of, of having their entire body together.
0: So final question to you then, where are things then on your efforts within this? I know you talked about the difficulties of getting legislation passed through. Do you foresee in the near future that maybe this practice will be banned in Minnesota as well?
1: Well, right now the future is bleak, but I am extremely determined to continue pushing this forward. And there is a Determined group of Minnesotans that are determined to put this through. I have survivors of, of those who have, um, who have overcome and have, are living with uh, FGM each and every day that are saying, listen, we need to hold these parents accountable. And some of the pushback is, oh, but we don't want our children taken away. Well, good. Nobody wants anybody's children taken away from a family. So don't do the practice. That's what everybody is hung up on. You are removing children, not unless somebody is actually harming their children. The goal of um, the bill that I'm pushing is to ensure that child protection system treats female gender mutilation similarly to other comparable acts of harm committed against children or others. We should not be treating FGM any Differently uh, than those um, children that may have experienced criminal sexual conduct, um, uh, you know, like substantial child endangerment, uh, which would include this criminal sexual conduct or assault with a dangerous weapon. That could be a knife, um, which is, inflicts substantial bodily harm against that person. You know those actions right there do trigger child protection investigation, and consequences follow. We should not be telling uh, little children that, you know what, that particular piece of your body does not count as child abuse.
0: Well, Representative France, I personally want to thank you for taking a stand and for all your work on this, as well as spending some time with us today to teach us a little bit more about it. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be a part of this
0: podcast. And thank you all for joining us. If you have more interest in the topic we discussed, you can follow Representative Franson on Twitter. She's at rep mary franson and franson is spelled f-r-a-n-s-o-n and you can also find more information on fgm on iwf's website so do check out more info there last if you enjoyed this episode of she thinks do leave us a a rating or a review on itunes it does help also we'd love it if you shared this episode and let your friends know where they can find more she thinks episodes from all of us here at the independent women's forum thanks for listening